everybody, welcome back to the Green Light, Green Light? Podcast. Bro, I bro, said bro. welcome back, so hopefully you're a returning listener. If not, if now not, you are. Welcome. You're, wow. you're officially a returning listener now since you've listened to one. I'm Jackson. I'm Lauren. And what do we do here, Lauren? We read unproduced plays and screenplays and interview the people who write them. And I will say, this week, we haven't done like a pure drama in a while. Yes, as a script. Yeah. And, and yeah, this week we have a, yeah, just a, a really heartbreaking one. It's definitely on the shorter side, but our interview is on the longer side, so yeah. it kind of balances out. And we, um, we've done both the interview and the script reading at this point. Yeah. A little editing magic, so you're not you're not hearing it in the order we recorded it. Whoa. <laughs> but yeah, you, you're definitely um, in for a treat today. It's, yes. It's a really, really great script. Yeah, it, it's, it's awesome. We had a great interview with our writer of the week, Nathan Blankenship. The script is called The Final Touch. Yes. And we will get into all of that later. In just a bit. However, let's do a few housekeeping things. Yeah, Jackson, if do we, we have must. any new reviews? <laughs> ah, keep um, talking. Yeah, so before we talk about that, um, we have, we've been cooking on Patreon lately. Um, we have been cooking. Yeah, in our so in our two off weeks, we posted uh, two different ramble episodes talking about WandaVision and also framing Britney Spears and the first The Mummy movie with Brendan Fraser. Yes. Um, we also posted a greenlit Patreon episode about Clueless. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually are, you know, it'll probably be out before Friday, but we are about to post a preview episode for the new season of The Masked Singer for our yes. other show. Well, Who it, is that? The Masked Singer It will podcast. be forced to be out before Wednesday. That's true. Yeah. Because so, that's when the episode's coming out. So it will be, it will definitely have been out for a few days by the time you are hearing this. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's that going to be starting back up. And the are available at any level uh, from $1 and up on our Patreon. Yes. So However, check that out. our greenlits are pretty fire. So I that's would suggest. True. Just at least going to the $5 tier. Uh, another thing is uh, you might have noticed, hey, wait a minute. It's March. Uh, we are due for another road trip. So that will be coming the, out the sometime before the end of the month. Who are? <laughs> uh, so if you want to get on board with that, hear a longer script that we are going to read. Uh, that is at the $10 level. Yes. So do that. Um, we do not have any new reviews. I'm Sad. disappointed in you all. This is me as your teacher sitting you down after <laughs> class. Be like, hey, you've been falling a little bit behind on your homework. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you haven't given We're us a five-star review parents. on iTunes, We're gonna we, email will, your parents. we will call your parents. You're going to have a <laughs> silent lunch. You're going to, you know. Stay in from recess. Stay, no recess for the next week to two until weeks. Until you give us a review. Until you give us a review. So, yeah, please, <laughs> please do that. Please only a five-star review. It, yes, please only if a five-star review. If this made you mad, then never mind. Maybe don't review <laughs> us. <laughs> Just forget about it. But, no, yeah, it, it really would help us out uh, to do that, to subscribe to our Patreon. Or if you if you can't do any of those things for, for whatever reason, maybe you don't have an iTunes account because you don't have an iPhone, um, give us a follow on social media. Support That's us on true. there. That's true. We'd appreciate it. At TGL underscore pod on Instagram and Twitter, at GreenlightPod on Facebook. You got it. Wow. Look, at I after 43 episodes... <laughs> I made it. Yeah. So, yeah, we would really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Those are all our big things. Uh, another just fun thing that, uh, for me, I'm getting my COVID vaccine on Friday. True. Lauren is getting her COVID vaccine yeah. on Friday. So she's going to be able to go out in the world. I'm going to be stuck at home still. <laughs> but, uh... Well, you know. I mean, so I am getting, uh, I guess, just fun thing. I'm getting the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, <laughs> which I don't fun know times. anyone else who has gotten it, because all my family has been getting the the Moderna new. and the Pfizer ones, and yeah. they have one dose uh, so far. But yeah, this one, it's it's one dose only. I've been trying to do some research on you know how much it's going to take me out, because I don't know anyone who's gotten it. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I'm I'm excited to be vaccinated. Yeah. I know there's kind of a thing with it where, you know, the the rate of effectiveness is supposedly lower, but at the same time it is more effective after a month than when you initially get the shot. Okay. So, but go. it actually is more protective from the moment you get the injection than for example the first dose of the Pfizer or the Moderna. Well, cool. So, yeah. So anyway, yeah. Um, fun stuff. It about gets to the same level, basically. So if you have a Johnson & Johnson vaccine available, it is you know just as good. Like Definitely yeah. go get whatever vaccine's available to you. Uh, Dr. Fauci was saying, if get whatever vaccine you can, if, yeah. they're, if they're out there. I mean, obviously, from one of those three. Don't just get find a guy on the street who tells you he can get you a COVID <laughs> yeah, vaccine. For sure. He's probably not trustworthy. But if he sells you hot dogs, too... You might I mean, want to maybe. get a two for one. Yeah, but, but yeah, just a, a helpful tip that has, um, that's, this isn't how I got mine. I got mine through making a CVS appointment, but yes. um, a lot of people have been able to get vaccines um, by calling a local pharmacy, you know, an hour, hour and a half before they close and just asking, hey, do yeah. you have any no-shows, any vaccines that are going to expire today? Yeah. So yeah, if you're having trouble getting an appointment and you're eligible, do that. Yeah. And please, please do it whenever you can. I hope we don't have any anti-vaxxers on this show, <laughs> listening to this show, but uh, please vaccinate yourself and please. your children. <laughs> we need herd immunity. Pretty please, pretty please, I want to see please. friends. Yes, true, true, true. I want to have a pool party this summer. Exactly. And hopefully we will. But enough of, enough of COVID. Yeah. We'll take you away from that for now. For true. this brief moment <laughs> in your life where you can get away from it and listen Even to the Even though our script light. is about um, <laughs> well, well, yeah. uh, a somewhat similar situation. Yeah, we'll, that's okay. we'll get into it. Uh, so, but at least for the next 15 or so minutes, we're going to be talking about our detours beep, beep. of the week. Our detours of the week are things we've consumed in the past week, whether it be a movie, whether it be a TV show, a book, whether it be a book, a play, an album, a 10 year old video, video game. game. And that's pretty much all the things we've ever done. But yeah. we're actually, we're going to have a movie today. Yes. And we're also going to have a series of books that I actually realize I talk about later in our interview, but I don't go into too much depth, so I'd like to go in a little more depth here at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, how about I start, and then we go into the movie, since That's the fine. books yeah. are just me and the movies are both of us, or the movie is both of us. All Sounds right. good. So what I will be talking about today are three books you, you could... They're not technically a series, but they essentially are a series. Um... They're by the author Austin Kleon, who is an artist, and these books are for artists. They're written by an artist, written very much for artists. Uh, his most notable book is Steal Like an Artist, 10 Things Nobody Told You About Being Creative. And then he has two follow-up books, Show Your Work, 10 Ways to Share Your Creativity and Get Discovered, and Keep Going, 10 Ways to Stay Creative in Good Times and Bad. So... These books, like I said, they're if if you're an artist, you'll get the most out of it. If not, I think they're they're especially I would say Steal Like an Artist and Keep Going are two books that really anyone could get something out of. It's very much I, I, I think we oftentimes underestimate how creativity can be used in other aspects of our life. Besides, you know, like if, if you're not an artist, you might think, oh, I'm not a creative person. But you very well still can be, even if what you do Absolutely. is not being an artist. Yeah, and well, here's the thing. In any area of your life, you can be a creative person and exactly. a creative thinker, yeah. you know, creative problem solver. Yeah. You know, there are so many ways that creativity plays into your life that you might not even realize. Exactly. So the first one, Steal Like an Artist, is essentially how to... Uh, 
find inspiration, how to use inspiration from people, how to properly credit them for their inspiration. Of course. And, and, but also, you know, just like not being afraid to um, steal like an artist is, is really the best way you can say it. Well, that's the thing. It's like, sorry, I, I haven't read these books. I don't no, want to keep jumping on you. But, you know, I think there are a lot of people who say, oh, well, there are no original ideas. And, you know, to a certain extent, I think that is a little bit true. You know, there's pretty much no one who doesn't take inspiration from anyone. Exactly. And you don't need to feel guilty for being inspired by other people. Now, you know, don't yeah. straight up carbon copy their work. Correct. And, but, you know, don't give them credit. But, like, it's definitely okay to take that inspiration and make it your own. Yeah, totally. So the next one, show your work, 10 ways to share your creativity. Uh, definitely probably more focused on solely creative people because it's about, you know, sharing your work with people, uh, especially in this new age of technology where it's very easy. Uh, it, it, well, actually that one, yeah, that one was the second. So it was written in 2014. So even since 2014, there are so many more ways to share, uh, that it's, that it's, uh, it's very cool. Uh, the next one, keep going 10 ways to stay creative in good times and bad times was published in 2019, which is wild because that was right before COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And just, it's, it's, it's very, very timely. I would say Okay. a very timely book for, uh, you know, just just staying creative, staying productive, staying motivated when when the world is falling apart around you. <laughs> correct. Whether it be because of a uh, global pandemic or whether it be just because of some personal things in your life that, you know, maybe you're going through a rough time. This there there are a lot of really cool tips in, in this book to help you keep going. So one another thing I like about these books, they're very short. You can easily read, like, the books in, like, a couple hours each, you know? And so they're very quick reads. Uh, there, there are a lot of uh, visuals in it. So if you like pictures, these are good books for you. <laughs> so Looking it's, at you, Dad. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> so it, 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 they're very easy reads. If this is something you'd be interested in, I'd highly recommend checking them out. Uh, I read them through the library online, like the Libby app. So uh, they're, they're very easy to find on there. So I would suggest if you can do it. Also, if you haven't signed up for like library online and you're like reading, definitely do it because it's very easy, very cool. You can get books directly to your Kindle or directly to your phone, tablet, etc. It's yeah. awesome. All right. All right. I talk about those a little bit later. So <laughs> yeah. just, just be ready. It's a, it's a smaller dose, but yeah. Dose? Vaccine? True. All righty. All Shall right. we move on, Lauren? Let's move on. So this is a movie that we actually, it, it came out on February 12th. Yes, it did. Uh, we actually watched this movie a couple weeks ago and just realized that we never talked about it, and we definitely should, because it's yes. very good. It is a very and Like, we're, like, almost 100% sure we didn't talk about it, but uh, th there's part of us that's like, did we actually talk about it? Well, because we talked about it pretty extensively with our housemates. Yes, we did. So we were kind of like, did we talk about it with them or on the show? Yeah. So if you're wondering what we're talking about, it's Judas and the Black Messiah. Yes. Um, starring Daniel Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield, um... Dominique Fishback. Yes, yes, yes. I, I was looking at the castles and I was like, uh, Fishback, what's the first name? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Jesse Plemons, uh, Ashton Sanders. Uh, yeah, I think those are all the big people. Lil Ray Howery comes in for oh, a little true, bit. Oh, true, true, true. Yep. Martin yeah. Sheen plays J. Edgar Hoover as well. True. And yeah, I'd say those are those are the big the biggest names we got in this. Yeah, so basically a little bit of little bit of summary. Um wait, hold on. I gotta go back to where the summary was. Ah! Bill O'Neill infiltrates the Thank Black you. Panther Party. Bill O'Neill, played by Lakeith Stanfield, infiltrates the Black Panther Party per FBI agent. 
per FBI agent Mitchell, played by Jesse Plemons, and J. Edgar Hoover, played by Martin Sheen. As party chairman Fred Hampton, played by Daniel Kaluuya, ascends, fall- falling for a fellow revolutionary en route, a battle wages for O'Neill's soul. Yes. So Yeah, basically the whole thing is Bill O'Neill um, got caught stealing a car. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And they decide to make a deal with him saying, okay, we won't, you know, send you to jail for stealing yeah. this car if you agree to be an informant, infiltrate the Black Panther Party, mm-hmm. you know, basically sell them to to the FBI. Yeah. And this is based on a true story, by the way. Yeah, true story. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that that pretty much is is where it goes. So you you follow Lakeith Stanfield's character Bill O'Neill as he infiltrates the Black Panther Party, and as he as he sort of starts to buy into a lot of their ideas, he starts to understand what they do. He's still very conflicted because at the same time he sees this uh, Agent Mitchell at the FBI who has this great life. You know, he has a loving family, loving kids. You know, and it's like he he's torn between between these two powerful figures in his life as to which one he is more devoted to well it's also tough too because it's very clear that he does um you know at first he's he doesn't necessarily care that much about the black panther's cause but as he spends more time with them it's clear that he does definitely begin to care but then he's at a point where he's like he's so deep in with the fbi exactly he's so deep in with the fbi that he you know, he he definitely feels a lot of guilt for yeah. hurting them. Yeah, um, uh, I yeah. would say probably the strong one of the strongest things about this film is the cast. I think it's absolutely excellently acted. It is both Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya put on clinics. Even even some of the more minor characters, Jesse Plemons is great as the FBI. Yeah. He's always great in what he does. True. So are Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya. Um, it's really cool to see Dominique Fishback in in another movie for sure. The Especially first thing we saw her we in just was saw Project her Power. In Project Power, and she yeah. was like a kid in that. And yeah. Yeah. She's still like college age. Yeah. You know, which is interesting because looking at this, like Daniel Kaluuya definitely does not look 21 in this. Well, the thing is, <laughs> yeah, he's supposed to be like yeah. in his 20s. <laughs> well, because I remember when I was watching it, I was like kind of weird that he's hitting on this college student. But then I have to remember like, okay, the actual guy like is was an age where that was appropriate. Yeah. You know? So Daniel Kaluuya was born in 89, which means he's 31. Yeah. Same age as Taylor Swift. No, February 24th. He's 32. Huh. 32. Playing a 21-year-old. Hope I can get there, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he looks good. Yeah. Uh, and um, let's see. Yeah, I mean, uh, that that that's the biggest thing that stood out to me, obviously, as actors. That's the thing we focus on. For sure. The story is great, though. The writing, I think, is fantastic yeah. as well. Um, if you don't know much about the Black Panther Party, and because I feel like, I mean, I know growing up for me... It, being it definitely, taught in schools, the Black Panther Party is very much villainized. For sure. It was very much like, oh, Martin Luther King Jr. did the right thing and Correct. was peaceful yeah. and Malcolm X just wanted to wreck everything, you yeah, know? exactly. When it's really, that was not the case. Yeah. At all. And so so if you don't know about that, this will open your eyes. It's not going to hold your hand while it opens your eyes, but, you know, it's, it's, it's going to open your eyes. So yeah, if, for sure. If you haven't... Um, if you don't know about that, don't know about a lot of what the Black Part- Panther Party stood for, this is a good movie to, to sort of get introduced Absolutely. to that. Absolutely. Well, and I also think it, it is definitely an interesting story because, you know, I have heard some people refer to this movie as kind of like the opposite of Black Klansmen, you know, someone infiltrating the Klan from the outside. Sure, yeah. Obviously, this is not the same because the Black Panther Party, you know, is <laughs> uh, not full of evil people yes. like the Klan. Yes, correct. Um, but... You know, it's it's definitely interesting because obviously what Bill Bill O'Neill did was terrible. Yeah. But at the same time, he didn't necessarily have a choice. 
Yeah, it, it it is interesting to see, like, but because before this, I just I I read a description and I was like, oh, that's interesting. So he's playing someone who like was probably in the FBI or something, but that's not really the case. No, he he is sort of coerced into doing this by the FBI because he doesn't want to spend his life in prison. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think that's a really interesting aspect of it that like seeing his struggle. I think is is a really cool part of this film. For sure. Yeah, there are a lot of heartbreaking scenes in this film. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What else? What else? You got anything else about uh, Judas and the Black Messiah? Um, I think those are all the big things. I'm trying to remember where did we watch this? Was it on we HBO? We watched it on HBO Max. Okay. I'm not sure if it's still available because I know it was only a limited run. I think it was like a a, a month. Right. But well, yeah. If you watch it literally today, that would be a month. Well, there you so go. So maybe it's still there. So it might still be get out. Well, wait. Today is in when this comes out, or today is when today when it comes this. out. Okay, because the twelfth to the twelfth. Sure, true. So yeah, I hope you're watching this day of. I hope you're that big of fans of us. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is. It is on HBO Max. Two hours and six minutes. Uh, watch yeah, it if you very can. Very good. Very good movie. Alrighty. Let's I guess move on. let's move on. Yeah. So when we come back, we will be reading the final touch by Nathan Blankenship, and we'll see you there. Bada babooey, bada booey. Everybody, welcome back to the Green Light Podcast. Green Light. Oh, Will's on it today. Welcome back, Will Leach. He's laughing. Hey, Will's or having a good crying? time right now. Yeah, that, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we will see what happens. Will, how are you doing today? First off, okay. Actually, today's not been too bad of a day. That's good. Nice. It's International Women's Day. It shout is. Shout out to yeah. all of them. Shout out to women. This will be coming out four days after International Women's Day, but still, shout out International Women's Day. Correct. Yes. 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 But yeah, it's been a good day for me too. Lauren. Yeah, pretty good. I haven't been awake as long as the rest of these guys. Um, period. Because I'm going to have to fine. be up late a few nights this week. But True. And we can't period. tell you why, but <laughs> that's okay. Other than that Lauren's cooler than the rest of us. That's true. <laughs> a, a, a little bit of a hint there for you. Sprinkle that in. Uh, so today we will be reading The Final Touch written by Nathan Blankenship. Uh, we already interviewed Nathan. We had an awesome interview. Uh, yeah. And uh, we really liked the script. So without further ado... Shall we dive? Let's dive. Oh, let's. I guess we should say who who we're playing and reading for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I figured. So uh, I'm Lauren. I will be reading for Lynette. I'm Will, and I'll be reading for Jimmy. I am Jackson, and I will be reading stage directions. Uh, nope, or, action lines. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. The final touch, written by Nathan Blankenship. Interior hospital room, Atlanta, 1984. Sterile, cold. In the bed lies Jimmy Cagle. Late twenties, thin and pale, and spotted with Carposi sarcoma lesions. He was handsome before the virus took hold. He's weak, but a fighter. A vase of colorful fake flowers sit on the table beside his bed. What was his name? He was so handsome like David Cassidy. He took me to the Silver Grill, and then we cruised Piedmont together. He loved Kenny Rogers, and we danced to We've Got Tonight at Illusions. A nurse, Lynette, wearing heavy-duty protective gloves, long-sleeve scrubs, and a face mask, enters. She's motherly, in her late forties, and her accent is thick and southern like molasses. How are you, Mr. Cagle? I just can't remember his name. Derek? Or Donnie? Maybe David. I'm forgetting things. I didn't think my mind would be going, too. It may be the meds. How's your breathing? Do you need more oxygen? 
He can only take shallow breaths. It's an effort to speak. But he has a sense of humor. I think I need an oxygen chamber. Then I could live forever like Michael Jackson. I'll see what I can do. Lynette takes the cover off his tray of food. Untouched. No appetite? Not really. But I've never liked oatmeal. My mama used to fix it for me and my brothers every morning because it was cheap and we were like hogs. She checks his machines. How many brothers? Six. Mama couldn't keep our names straight half the time. (laughs) I imagine. What about your daddy? He was always working on the barges. Only time I saw him was when we had the belt. A heavy moment. Lynette uses a stethoscope to carefully check his pulse on his arm. Jimmy looks away like he's looking out a window. A beat. What's the weather feel like outside? It's sunny and warming up. The azaleas and dogwoods are starting to bloom. I've always loved spring in Atlanta. It's magical. I think cherry blossoms are my favorite. Reminds me of back home in Savannah. My sister lives in Savannah. Jimmy turns back to face her and manages a slight nod. He coughs. (coughs) I haven't been back since they ran me out of there eight years ago. I was a big fan of sailors. We have something in common then. My husband was a sailor in his 20s. (laughs) Lucky lady. (laughs) Do y'all have kids? A pause for Lynette. Sore subject. No. Wasn't in the cards for us. We have a boatload of nieces and nephews we spoil rotten. Jimmy manages a smile. It's Tuesday, isn't it? No, sweetie. It's Wednesday, the 18th. Jimmy lets out a sound. A sort of sad surprise. I'll be damned. (laughs) It snuck up on me. Tomorrow's my birthday. Really? Happy early birthday. Guess how old I'll be. Lynette struggles to respond. He could be between 30 to 50. 29. I'll be the same age as Hank Williams when he died. <laughs> I always said I wanted to die young so I could keep my good looks. Guess I got half my wish. Come on. Miracles happen all the time. Jimmy starts to reply but goes into a coughing spell. He sits up and struggles to catch his breath. It's painful and disturbing. Lynette instinctively reaches in but carefully. Should I get the doctor? Jimmy shakes his head no. After a bit, his breathing steadies, but is still shallow. He relaxes. I don't know how to do this. (laughs) Dying. She gives him a drink of water from a cup on the table. What can I do for you? For your birthday? Can I bring you a cake or flowers? Are there any others here? Like me? No. I'm sorry. I read in San Francisco they have a whole ward in the hospital for us. Thought you could wheel them all in there and uh, we could just throw a party. What about your loved ones? Is there someone I can call? Your family? Jimmy deflates. There's no one. The last time I spoke to my mama and told her I was sick, she told me that God was punishing me and that she hoped I'd repent so she could see me in heaven. This breaks Lynette's heart. She thinks for a moment. I could bend the rules for someone else to visit. Say they're your your brother, or... My lover passed six months ago. My friends are sick or afraid to come here. The weight of his loneliness is palpable. She wants to give him a hug, but can't. Do you believe I'm being punished? I don't. No, I, I don't think this is a punishment. My God is not a vengeful one. Jimmy thinks about this, 
tears up. I've talked to him a lot in here, trying to do my reckoning before I get there, I suppose. I know I was born like this, but maybe I was a mistake. <laughs> Lynette gently touches him on the shoulder, comforting through protective gear. He struggles to breathe. Oh, honey, he had a reason for putting you here. You've been so kind to me, Lynette. A moment. Jimmy leans into her arm on his shoulder. Will you hold my hand? Lynette is taken aback, struggles to respond, torn. Mr. Cagle, I'm so sorry, I can't take off. Please, call me Jimmy. He weakly holds out his hand. I know that everyone is scared of this thing. Lynette shifts her body. I haven't seen a face or even touched a person in over two weeks. Before I go, I just want to feel not so alone. Jimmy. I'm begging you. Please. Lynette painfully contemplates. How can she possibly deny him? She takes a deep, trembling breath and slowly removes one of her protective gloves. She gently takes Jimmy by his hand. He begins to weep and holds her hand tightly. Thank you. Thank you. She begins to cry too. End of script. Welcome back to the Green Light. Green Light. We are here with our writer of the week, Nathan Blankenship, the writer of The Final Touch. How are you doing, Nathan? Hey, everyone. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. We're happy to have you. Now, tell everybody where you're calling us from. I am calling in from the Hollywood of the South. I'm calling in from uh, beautiful Atlanta, <laughs> Georgia. The Hollywood of the South. Awesome. I, I like that. that. I yeah. like that. I, I've definitely mentioned this on the show before when we've had people from Atlanta, but um, I was like this close to moving to Atlanta instead of LA and a bunch of my friends are there. So it's it's a really great city. <laughs> yeah, I think we were both kind of close to moving to Atlanta. It was it was pretty much between Atlanta and LA and we ended up out here. But uh, good uh, to have someone from the South with us, uh, both North Carolinians here. Nice, so, nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Great, you're great you're to uh, not else, too yeah. far. Uh, I guess North Carolina is not too far from Atlanta. So it's a... Uh, been to North exactly. Carolina. I love it. It's beautiful there. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I'm I a big fan, too. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll just jump right into it. Uh, we like to ask this question to everybody, but give us your writer origin story. How did you get started? Uh, yeah. So um, I've been writing, oh, gosh, since I was like a teenager. And really, I mean, probably like most, you know, film and TV writers. I loved uh, <laughs> film and television growing up. It was just a big source of escapism for me. Um, I grew up in a small town and, um, you know, decided to uh, pursue it as a career. I majored uh, in creative writing and English at the University of Arkansas at Little Rock. So I studied some there and then made the big jump to Los Angeles um, a little bit after college. Uh, which was great and, you know, worked my way sort of up um, as, you know, everybody does as a PA and as a writer's assistant, and as development assistant. Um, so got a lot of good um, experience there. And yeah, I, um, I've been in Atlanta since 2013 and I pretty much write Southern based stuff, um, shorts, plays, uh, screenplays, um, yeah, so I just, you know, I, I'm, I've always 
thought of myself as a storyteller. I love doing it. Um, haven't made any money at it yet, <laughs> but um, but the passion's still there, you know. For That's sure, great. yeah, That's we're we're hear. still working on that part too. <laughs> yes, we sure are. Um, yeah, we're we're gonna ask you a lot of questions about you know you and your uh, you know your your southern roots and everything uh, in a bit. However, let's start with some script questions first, which honestly deal a lot with that, anyways. Um, so before we even fully go into the specifics of the script, I would actually love to hear you talk about the uh, inclusion statement that you sent us as part of your pitch deck. Uh, for for those of you listening, uh, Nathan sent us uh, a a little just pitch uh, for for the script, and it's great. Uh, it's it's fantastic. I really enjoy reading it. Uh, so yeah, if you're able to just give everyone a quick summary of it, including like your inspiration for the script and how you would like it to be produced. Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of my favorite things uh, to do is put together like a pitch deck um, just because it helps me really visualize whatever story I'm trying to tell. And I actually put together the pitch deck um, for after I wrote the script, I submitted it to um, this um, contest of uh, Film Impact Georgia's uh, film filmmakers grant in the fall of 20 uh, fall of 2020, uh, which I was a runner up. I was like top 10, you know, runner up. Um, and they, you know, wanted a pitch deck and an inclusion statement. Uh, but it really, you know, helped me put together my thoughts on what kind of story I wanted to tell. And, and if it was produced, how I would want it to be produced. Right. Um, so yeah. uh, I want, I, as a gay man, you know, I understand how much like accurate and positive representation matters. Um, and so while we've, we progressed a lot, you know, since the AIDS crisis began, um, I, I really wrote this as a nod and sort of in honor of the people who came before me, um, men and women uh, who, who died young, you know, from the AIDS virus mm -hmm. uh, and sort yeah. of honoring them and realizing that they sort of paved the way, you know, for people like myself and younger generation of LGBTQ people, um, maybe for it to be a little bit easier on us. Uh, and so in producing the script, um, I would want, you know, the, the crew and the cast to be predominantly members of the LGBTQ community as you know, I sort of feel like this is our story to share and a way to show like how far we've come and how much further we have to go. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. That that that's fantastic. Um, and yeah, I th I think like you mentioned, you know, it is important to recognize how far we've come for sure, but at the same time, uh, recognizing the work that still needs to be done. And so I I think this is a this is awesome that that you you've uh, made that commitment. And yeah, really love yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh. Yeah, so piggybacking off of the pitch deck, um, so through both your pitch deck and the script, you definitely did a lot of research. So talk about what your research process was, what that looked like for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, I didn't do a lot of research. It's just kind of maybe collective research that I've done over so many years of like um, knowing people who lived through the AIDS epidemic, you know, in the eighties and hearing their stories. Um, I wrote the script in uh, about May of last year. So it was like two months into the COVID pandemic. Um, and I was, I was uh, watching on television, like the news, obviously, like most people do when you're stuck at home. And it was really 
heartbreaking <laughs> uh, to see that so many people were dying in the hospital and like were saying goodbye to their family, like, or the family was saying goodbye to them over FaceTime, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so that was the little piece of inspiration for the script. But then also I, um, around that time, saw a, a documentary called uh, 5B on the first um, dedicated AIDS ward in the San Francisco General Hospital in like the early 80s. And so the script was really a marriage of kind of those two, I guess, you know, ideas, because um, obviously there was no cell phones or anything like that in the 80s when, you know, the AIDS epidemic was was happening and, and was really um you know, so many people were dying and no one knew what it was and everything. But I just thought, you know, how horrible to, you know, I think it's anybody's worth fear to die alone, but to die in a hospital and, you know, not be surrounded by your loved ones, either by choice or by yeah. circumstance. Right. Um, and I actually, the, the, to write the script was, uh, um, the ABC, uh, oh, let me see, the ABC Discovers Talent uh, Showcase, and they were looking for like six to 10 page, uh, 10 page scripts, original scripts that had never been produced. Um, that was like an original, basically a two person scene, you know, so okay. sort yeah. of all of that kind of came together around May of last year. Um and I submitted it to the um, ABC Discovers Showcase. Um, you know, it didn't place or anything, but uh, it was really uh, therapeutic for me, I think. And yeah, a really absolutely. a really good way to like, you know, deal with just the isolation that, of COVID and everything like that. Like it was just um, a really cathartic, uh, therapeutic ex experiment, I guess. Um, you know, and a way to draw parallels between sort of COVID and the AIDS epidemic. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I, I think it's, um, it, you know, it's kind of crazy to look back and think that during the AIDS epidemic, because people weren't really clear on, you know, how it could be spread yet and things like that, people really did think it was as easy to spread, you know, as COVID. If you yeah. breathe the same air, if you touch the person, you know, you were going to get it. And it's... You know, it, it's really sad to look back and know that, oh, well, you know, just just touching someone is not going to, you know, give you AIDS. Like all yeah. these people could have had more of that connection, you know, could have felt more love when they were suffering from this. But um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, it's just and like so. Yeah. And so many people like um, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a little bit, but saw it as a punishment. AIDS as a punishment for, yeah. you know, gay men, um, yeah. throughout a lot of the eighties. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, let's, let's dive in a little more, uh, for the script specifically. Um, so talking about the two character main characters are the two characters period, uh, Lynette and Jimmy, uh, there's clearly a strong connection between the two of them. So I would just love to hear you talk about their relationship. Like how do they really feel about each other and how does that sort of play out in, in this script? Yeah, so I, I definitely, you know, um, if if you watch uh, the 5B documentary, like the nurses that cared for these 
men that were dying of AIDS in the San Francisco General Hospital. I mean, like so selfless and, you know, like really uh, putting aside themselves to care for someone else. Right. I think, you know, mm-hmm. um, and in the same way with COVID. Right. I mean, these these nurses and doctors that are caring for these patients. I mean, um, you know, they're just amazing people and, and you know, all that. And so I really wanted um, to show Lynette as a, as a very motherly, caring woman, but as a woman who didn't have children herself and yeah. sort of play on, um, let them, ha- you know, like it's, it's a nurse patient relationship, obviously, but, um, and we will talk about this, I'm sure, but, but that Jimmy's parents disowned him basically because he was gay so you know he's on his deathbed looking for like this parental figure to like show him love Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh Lynette was sort of that for him um but she also struggled some within herself um to actually touch him you know so I thought it was just an interesting um dynamic between the two and uh you know I specifically wanted to set it in the south um sort of you know that she was a very southern woman very maternal uh loving and you know probably says things like you know bless your heart and and sweetheart and and honey and (laughs) things like that um (laughs) but that there was a real um struggle inside of her in caring for him right Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think that's really, really well played out in this because, you know, clearly she 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 cares about Jimmy and has some sort of, you know, sympathy for him. But at the same time, you know, you you can see that hesitation as well. You can see that like like sh- that something that she doesn't fully understand. She wants to help Jimmy as much as she can, but is is also afraid. And I, I think that's really well portrayed in this. Yeah, and I think that actually leads pretty well into our next question. So there's a really just heartbreaking part of the script where Jimmy asks Lynette, you know, do you believe I'm being punished that we kind of touched on earlier? Um, and then they both talk a little bit about their views on religion. So talk about how God and religion play into this story and what is Jimmy and Lynette's separate, what are their separate relationships with religion? Yeah, and, I, you know, I definitely... Um, Again, it was inspired by stuff that I, uh, conversations that the nurses uh, in the documentary 5B said that they had, you know, with their patients. Um, And I didn't want to get too much into the religiosity, you know, of all of it um, with the script. I mean, just because it's six pages, obviously. Um, But I did think, you know, like, if you are on your deathbed, you know, like you're looking at sort of your life and what your purpose was, and sort of what comes next. And, you know, if there's a God up there, and what that, you know, I'm, you know, I wanted, I'm, in my head, Jimmy wasn't the most religious person, he was probably brought up, you know, very strict, religious, uh, in -hmm. a very strict religion. And that's part of why his parents like disowned him. But so this was coming up for him, like, is this a punishment for my lifestyle? Um, And he's sort of, you know, he's not able to talk to anybody 
else, you know, really but Lynette. Right. So in, in having these conversations with her and, you know, like I said, she's probably a very like devout woman and struggling with some of these questions, you know, like herself. And, and I kind of wanted to leave it, you know, open ended. I mean, she gave him a, a good answer, you know, and, and a, and a thoughtful, caring answer, but I don't know if she, I think she hesitated in, in giving her answer and, you know, really struggled with that probably after he was gone. Yeah. Sure. Well, yeah, I've always, I think I've always sort of had the opinion where, you know, I, I always find it confusing when people use religion as a means to, you know, hate other people or discriminate against other people or anything like that. You know, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm very much of the belief that God doesn't make mistakes mm-hmm. and, you know, and even if anything anyone does is not what you personally would do, you know, it's it's not like you're the one who would decide what happens to them or how God would feel about them, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm going to step off my soapbox no, a little. I know, yeah. and it's, it's a tough, you know, it's a tough question. And I didn't, again, want to deal too much with it because, you know, I'm not sort of this... Uh, the most religious person, you know, I'm, I say I'm spiritual, but I was brought up, um, you know, with a religious background, obviously in the deep South. And that sort of also plays into, you know, why this, the film or the script was set in the South is because I think Mm -hmm. that there's a lot more of that undertow specifically in the South. Right. Because I think a lot of people have used religion as a way to justify a lot of horrible things you know, that that's been done. And, um, but I I said all that to say, like, I'm not so much a religious person, but I would say that like in my writing, I think that thematically, like that comes up a lot sort of in my work, you know, like who is God and, and what is like, you know, a person's purpose in life and, you know, just sort of dealing with that, like internally, but especially for like a man, on his deathbed, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, So jumping from one heartbreaking moment to another, um, (laughs) let's talk about uh, the the ending of this script, you know, this final moment of of connection sort of physically and metaphorically between Jimmy and Lynette. I'd love to hear you just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so, I mean, she's, she's wearing, you know, her nurse outfit, which was almost like a space suit, you know, in, in dealing with this, this poor guy who, like he said, had never hadn't seen a face really, or touched a person in a month or more. Right. And he just Mm -hmm. yearned for that, like physical touch of someone, I think just to know that he was, he was here, he had been here, you know what I mean? And I think for Lynette, you know, it was, it was a hard decision for her, right? Because how can she deny this, you know, to this man and to really like, if this is 1984, like we said earlier, like they didn't know how it would spread, like just her simply touching him, she could have got AIDS. So, you know, I think it really just shows the humanity um, and the, the, you know, I don't know, like just her humanity and like the, the need for a, 
human touch and like human compassion, right? Um, yeah. For sure. In any situation. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's I think it's especially strong of a moment too because, you know, uh, we see, you know, he, Jimmy's described as a fighter and you see throughout that, you know, he does his best to maintain good spirits and, and throughout. But then just this moment of vulnerability at sort of the end of his life uh, is 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 a really strong moment, I think, and really shows that that sort of arc of his character, and then especially L- Lynette, you know, um, obviously hesitant, like you were saying, and just just showing her compassion there at the end. I think I think really made for a, a really strong moment at the end for for something so so simple as what we think of today as a touch, but also so like poignant, you know, especially yeah. especially with the parallels to like COVID now and things where a lot so of people, many people are having to go through the go through it alone yeah yeah exactly. absolutely and it's and it's you know it's it's horrible and i mean uh it's uh so many people you know by now 500 and you know twenty thousand something people have you know passed on mm-hmm. from covid and people still can't go visit their families in yeah you know in the hospital to see their like loved one who is dying and it's just it's really heartbreaking and uh um tragic yeah yeah uh okay so let's we can move on to something a little lighter now <laughs> yeah um yeah yeah, yeah th- thank you for being willing to talk about your, your yeah stick, for by sure the way. for yeah, sure we, we, no we problem yeah yeah so let's move on to some personal questions uh nothing too deep and personal obviously <laughs> yeah. but um okay. so this script is filled to the brim with the south you know and i know we're we're all familiar with the south on this call <laughs> But uh, mm-hmm. so you grew up in the South, went to college in the South, and now live in the South. So talk about how your experience growing up in the South impacts your writing, and you know, depending on your comfort level, um, how your experience as a gay man in the South affects your writing. Yeah. So I mean, definitely. I mean, I grew up in a very, very small town um, in the South, in the Mississippi Delta, um, and obviously, I wasn't out at that time. But you know, I understand what it's like being the other and being an outsider right um Mm -hmm, and that really impacts my writing now um and it it always has you know it's always come from a place of you know being this sort of outsider looking in and you know what is normal um and you know but at the same time, like I love the South and, and it's, it's what I write about. I always say like, I sort of write about the South, but from a new South perspective. Um, Mm, and you know, so I'm not, um, yeah, there's just, there's just a lot that sort of colors my, my writing, but at the same time, like with the South, there's so many just like colorful characters and colorful people and you know just like the over the topness and then but there's also this like facade I think a lot of times with with southerners yeah um that's really um intriguing like for me as a writer to like you know understand why people do what they do why do they you know why do why would people abandon their dying child in the name of religion right like all right. these themes and stuff that just are really, um, I mean, you know, one of my biggest inspirations is Tennessee Williams, you know, the playwright from the fifties yeah. and sixties. Yeah. And I mean, he wrote pretty much only about the South. 
Um, right. And so that's really, um, I mean, just always has been sort of what colors my, you know, writing, but, but then, you know, and another layer to it, like as a gay man growing up, like closeted in the South, you know, it was very difficult. Like my own, you know, personal experiences, like I'm close to 40. So I remember what it was like seeing, um, the only representation of gay men on TV were drag queens or men dying of AIDS. Like this was before sure. Will and Grace. This was before, um, you know, I mean, this was the eighties and nineties. Right. So, you know, as a, as a child and as a teenager, like not being able to see myself portrayed positively on television, like that really has an effect, I think on people, whatever your other is. Right. Um, so it's important that there's, there's like, you know, positive representation of, and, and people need to like tell their stories, whatever their stories are, you know, and I think it's, um, it's really important. And that's sort of why I want to be a writer and why I love the craft, why I love film and television, uh, you know, because I see that it's really important that there be, you know, representation for everyone across the board. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that that's a that's a great point. Um and and you know, speaking of the South, so obviously, you know, you grew up there, went to college there, but then you moved out to LA for a bit, a place that you lived for for about 7 years, but mm-hmm. you know, then you moved back to Atlanta. Uh so so what made you sort of sort of make that change, you know, a going to LA and then B deciding to move back to uh, a place in the South? You know, I always, I I say that I really didn't understand, or I really didn't know what my voice was until I moved to Los Angeles. Um, Probably Mm -hmm. as you can hear, uh, I lived in LA for seven years and the accent went nowhere. So, (laughs) you know, it really, it really sort of made me stand out being in LA, being a Southerner, being away from anything that I sort of knew and being away from my comfort zone. But it really... I'm so grateful for the experience because it opened my eyes to different cultures and different experiences and things like that. But in a weird way, it also made me appreciate, you know, what is home, the South and, you know, certain things. So I'm so grateful for the experience, but um, it was around the time I think that I was turning 30. So it was just sort of like a whole life changing uh, or, you know, questioning a lot of things in life. I lived in LA through the recession. Um, So, you know, I knew what it was like, like to live in LA and really, really struggle. Um, There were some really good years and then there were some really like tough years. Right. Um, And, you know, to, to get the rainbow, you got to get to the, you got to go through the rain. Right. So um, uh, I just was ready to like, you know, move back closer to family uh, move back to sort of what I knew. Um, I felt like, you know, Mm -hmm. LA was great in my twenties. Um, but you know, things were changing. Like I had heard so much, so many great things about Atlanta and then I got here and I kind of had always been enamored with Atlanta, like visiting it as a child and things like that. And then I got here and I was just like, wow, like this is really like the LA of the South. I met a ton of creatives you know, like there was so many amazing people here doing amazing things. And, 
you know, I was like, wow, I think I finally found the place that's like home, you know, um, yeah. which that's was, awesome. which was For a relief. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I love to hear that. And I, I think it is interesting about LA too. It's like, you know, it feels like half the people you meet out here in LA aren't from LA. For yeah. sure. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, it's really cool to, to meet everybody from, from, you know, different places and different cultures. But I do think it really does help you appreciate where you came from. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And like, I, I, I really appreciate barbecue because <laughs> oh, <laughs> we don't have it here. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, I really like, uh, when I, I was not, I left LA like really not inspired. I didn't my, the last couple of years in LA, like I just didn't write a lot. Right. Um, even though I was mm -hmm. there in this creative hub and, but I just was like kind of uninspired. Right. And, and it was sort of reignited in me when I moved back to Atlanta. Uh, weirdly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that that makes sense. I mean, you have to be in a place that sort of drives that creative energy and, and, and makes makes you want to get up and write, you know? For Cause, sure. Because yeah. I, I, as, as someone who's not really a writer, it's even even just, I feel like in any creative profession, you, you need to have, you need to be in a place that encourages that creativity, whatever that means for you. So yeah, yeah. And, and not to poo poo so, LA, like I love LA. LA is yeah of course awesome, oh, for sure. you yeah. know yeah. like my ideal my ideal <laughs> yeah. my ideal life would be to like have a home in Atlanta and like fly to LA for like meetings or whatever and then fly back to Atlanta like that's like oh, hashtag yeah. life goals right oh for sure <laughs> that, that's a pretty good life you know yeah. I, I I don't mind that either now that you say it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so speaking of your writing your creative inspiration uh you've written fiction plays and screenplays and those are just the things that we know about you know could be a lot mm -hmm. more um, so talk about your creative process and how how do you choose which story goes in which medium? So it's interesting, like with the final touch, obviously I wrote it as a short script, but then mm -hmm. um, there was, you know, there's been little bits and pieces after the fact that I'm like, oh, like I know the character's backstory and I'm like, hmm, this could be an interesting feature film, right? Um, mm, yeah. so it just kind of, whatever hits me at the moment, um, I'm working on, or I've just finished a feature now that I kind of went into it knowing that it was a feature. Um, but there's, you know, so many different options, I guess now, you know, like you write what you think's a movie and then it could be turned into a television series or, um, and I just really, uh, living in Atlanta, like I've, I've produced a, or I've directed, wrote and directed a play um, that a micro play that was produced um, in the fall of 2019. That was an amazing experience. It was like a 15 page script, you know, and some of it is just really, I think the best advice I ever got was just like to keep writing, whatever that is, you don't necessarily have to be writing the next, you know, Star Wars or whatever, just like really <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, if you're struggling writing a feature, maybe take a break and just try like writing a, a short play or a short script and just see what sort of, you know, ignites in you. And that's really sort of in my, you know, 30 years, you know, like I've really learned that <laughs> it's really whatever just sort of intrigues me, inspires me. And I just sort of like write it and then you know, if, if an opportunity comes along that, you know, 
um, I'm able to adapt it one way or the other. That's sort of, you know, and, and I think that's the fun of it, right? Like you don't have yeah. to put yourself in a box, you know, I'm not, um, I mean, I say I'm a predominantly, I guess, dramatic writer, but I've written, um, like a web series. It hasn't been produced or anything, but it's sort of like living the millennial life in Atlanta. Right. And it's more of a comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, it's just kind of, uh, flexing your writing muscles, I I guess. And that's what I like really love to do and and finding uh, inspiration wherever I can. For sure. Totally. Yeah, and I feel like the other important thing to remember is, you know, if you've ever seen the Star Wars holiday special, they make mistakes too. <laughs> That's true. That is a very 100%. good point, Lauren. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> um, not so, a big, yeah, not so a big sci-fi. More... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. You, no, I'm just on, saying, so you sci-fi going. is not something that I would say is my forte, but I'm, you know what, maybe I should put that on my bucket list as well write the next star wars i think you should (laughs) i think you should i think everyone should have something sci-fi that they've written under their belt whether they're a writer or not whether they're a dramatic (laughs) writer or or not yeah i feel like that's like something everyone has always had an idea of like oh what if this alien fought this alien or something like that i don't know yeah our script last week was actually sci-fi so that's yeah 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 (laughs) exactly I mean, um, hey, sci-fi okay. characters have to have motivation too. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> All righty, we have one last question for you, Nathan, and okay. this is probably the most important question. <laughs> what is your favorite Southern comfort food? Oh my gosh! Um, well, Lauren mentioned barbecue, so of course I'm I'm missing barbecue or I'm like jonesing for some barbecue now, and I don't know yes. if I'll be able to find yes. <laughs> any open um, this late at night in Atlanta. Um, <laughs> Uh, so barbecue and then weirdly like so moving back to Atlanta like I have fallen in love with pimento cheese and I remember being grossed out by it when I was a child (laughs) but like you can throw pimento cheese on anything and like I will devour it uh and Atlanta has so many good restaurants to do that Yes. Pimento cheese is delicious. I love <laughs> pimento cheese. That is a great choice. And yeah, bar- barbecue for me too. I It's been so long since we've had barbecue and yeah. I just, I, I'm missing it so much. Yeah. LA's got a lot of good food, but I don't think barbecue is, is on the list. And the barbecue um, um, is not one of them. <laughs> unfortunately, no. Yeah. So next, next time we go home, there's this restaurant um, near our house in North Carolina called Porky's that we go to all the time. So shout out Porky's if you're listening right, in North Carolina. Uh, I have to ch- but check yeah, it out. Has some, has some great barbecues. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I will say for me, it's not because I don't know. I have a I've always I grew up in the South, but my family is actually northern from Pittsburgh. But um I I just really miss from a restaurant perspective, not even a you know southern home cooking perspective, uh cookout and bojangles so yeah. much. Oh, yeah. I yeah. I, yeah. I miss wore, that good I wore cookout out when I moved to Atlanta. I was like, this place is oh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the closest thing to in and out burger, I think, that I could find, you know? And I was like, oh my yeah. God, Cookout yeah. is Personally, like amazing. I think Cookout's so much better. I hate the in and out fries. Yeah, the fries are rough in and out. 
uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, I just, just the, God, I miss cookout too. All right. We got to stop talking about this or I'm just going <laughs> to just cry myself to sleep tonight thinking of all the Southern foods that I'm missing. Um, all right. Yeah. So those were all of our questions. Thank you so much for coming on again, Nathan. We, we really had a great time and I, I'm, I'm glad we did this interview. Um, if you would like to get in touch with Nathan, pick his brain or produce this script, uh, his email will be in our description. Yeah. And uh, Nathan, I guess one more sidebar question. Do yes. you have anything that you would like to plug or anything coming up for you? Uh, sure. I, I would love um, if anyone is interested in uh, following my Instagram page of the movie that I've written. Um, it's uh, broken road underscore the movie on Instagram. Uh, follow me on there. Give me a few likes. Like uh, it's a feature that I've written. Um it's a period sort of musical set in the seventies, uh, in the Southern music industry. Uh, so would love to sort of, you know, connect with people on there. For That's sure. Fantastic. Yeah. And if you're listening and you didn't get that at the first time, don't worry. It'll be in the description. You don't have to rewind or anything. Yes. Yes. Um, and one final thing we've started doing this as well. Would oh. you like <laughs> to ask us any questions? If not, no worries. Just wanted to give you the opportunity to, uh, let's see what, um, I'm sure you guys read a lot of scripts. Is there any script that you've read? It can be produced or not that is available that you're like, as a writer, you should read this script feature short, whatever. You know what I mean? Like I'm deep into right now reading the, uh, the scripts for like the Oscar and the golden globe nominated stuff and promising young woman is amazing. And I just wanted to see like, if y'all have any suggestions for a script to read. Oh, man, that's wow. a good question. That is a really good question. I'm trying to think of, of things that I've read recently. One, one thing that this isn't a script, but one thing I find that as an artist, I have really enjoyed reading. Um, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Austin Kleon, but he writes these. He, he has this series of books. Um, the, the first one, and I think his most famous one, is How to Steal Like an Artist. Mm, um mm-hmm. And uh, he's he's written other series of books sort of just geared towards artists. They're really quick. They're like, you know, 100 pages. So you can knock it out in like a day if you're feeling ambitious. But I have really enjoyed reading those. Just like it, it just inspires creative energy, I feel yeah. like. Um, so so I just really like those. Not exactly what you were looking for, but but sort of something in the in the same vein. Hey, no, I'm going to check it out tonight. Yeah, let me see. I'm, I'm, go- I'm going on my Goodreads right now to see if there are any. Because I've, I've been yeah. trying to read like plays and things lately um, and it's, re- it's really cool like the time that we live in the you know the that you can find like pretty much the script to any uh, any movie that's like out in theaters right now or that's nominated like you know for a golden globe yeah. or academy award and like it's it's like a godsend oh, yeah. for a writer yeah for, for sure. sure yeah for sure um what well, uh, another uh, the these are plays um but uh I, I haven't read them super recent. It's been a couple months, but, you know, they're, they're still kind of fresh just because of how much I enjoyed them. Um, the, a series of plays by Annie Baker. It's a collection of her plays called the Vermont Plays, which has um, four of her plays, including uh, Circle Mirror Transformation, The Aliens, Nocturama, and Body Awareness. And all of those I found fantastic. I love Annie Baker as a writer. She's yeah. super talented. I feel like she writes just some of the best dialogue, you know, just some of the most natural dialogue I've seen from anybody. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love it. So I hope that was that was that answered your question well enough. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you all for thank you all for taking the time to talk to me. 
I really appreciate it. Yeah. Of- oh, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. It was it was great to have a fellow Southerner on the show. Yes, true. True, true, true. <laughs> Come to um, Atlanta anytime and oh, we'll grab some barbecue. Oh, oh that would be great. All right, I, we're on our way right now. I was going <laughs> to, you on. know, I was really hoping, because um, like last year, not this past year, obviously, but the year before when I uh, went back to North Carolina for the holidays, I took a trip to Atlanta to go, you know, see my friends and get some good food and stuff like that. Um, and I, I really missed, you know, being able to do that this year since I didn't get to make the trip. So, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, so hopefully post, soon. post-COVID. Yeah, we'll be knocking on your door Let's in do no it. time. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Sounds great, Nathan. Thank you once again for coming on. We really had a great time. All right. Thanks, y'all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All Bye. right. Bye. Bye. Bye.